I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you for gathering for this week's episode of Friends with Friends. Um, my name's Pete Allison, and I'll now hand over to Dave Cripp. Ahoy, hoy. It's come to my attention that a number of you pointed out that the title of last week's episode, both on Patreon and on main release, was... Main release. Thank you. <laughs> Don't interrupt the official statement, Pete. What am I th- oh, no, that's a manual release. That's what that's that sounded like. <laughs> Was incorrectly titled the one with the birthday video instead of the one with the birthing video. This was a test. And if you message us, you have indeed passed the test. You are now welcomed into the higher category of sub-editor title people for the Diligent Listeners podcast. Uh, It is in no way suitable to assume that I didn't double-check the title and that perhaps the word birthing got autocorrected to birthday. And then I released that on Patreon and still 24 hours later, even though people had already pointed it out, assumed I hadn't made the same mistake with the main release episode and so didn't bother to double check and then saw that that indeed had happened again. And I got a barrage of messages both on the Friends with Friends accounts and to my personal telephone. Um, And then I just thought, by that time, Pete, it's not fucking any point in changing it, is it? It'll live forever. It'll live forever as it is. As as a a machine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here ends my official statement congratulations on passing the test and on that note he resigned so uh (laughs) from now on it's just me um and a few seagulls for company yeah if you think you can replace me with a flock of seagulls heck up did you hear about that owl in new york is this a joke no all right so that's set up to a joke um, no, there's that owl that escaped from the zoo in Central Park. Oh, no, haven't. No, and on. it's called Fal- Fla- Flacco. Right. And um, it's like this owl that people on the upper northwest side were used to hearing because it was supposed to be in a zoo, but then it escaped and it just like flew around New York, but then it died because it flew into a building. Oh, no, that's so sad. Mm, yeah. That's oh, the that end of the story. Sad. It's like yeah. a brief moment of uh, a brief moment of freedom. Mm. There was like a, a Twitter account that like followed updates of where you could hear it hooting. 
But then one yeah, day, oh my god, it's got its it own Wikipedia page more. now. Yeah, Flacco brackets owl. He's a good looking owl. Good fucking owl. Handsome, a handsome owl. Handsome owl. Although oh. now he is dead. Well, this episode will be dedicated to the memory of Flacco the owl. Don't you think he should be called Falco? The Falcon. Well, I just feel like that's a better name for an owl. Yeah, I think there are much better names for an owl than Flacco. To be right, honest, what Dave? What What would you name an owl? <laughs> well, you can't put me on the spot now, can you? Um, Tessa Owl. Is that a reference to Tessa Chow? <laughs> a, I think, with all due respect to, to Tessa Chow, quite a niche political reference that is yeah well you put me on the spot and i came up with that what i suggest is a not a terrible one for my first go off the top of my head all right mm, okay irritable owl syndrome uh yes professional owl professional owl you might you, you might get sent off for a professional owl Oh, like a, like in football, professional yeah. foul. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that hey, Pete, do you want work. a shower? Because I could get you a bath owl to dry yourself with. Actually, afterwards. Dave, I think it's too soon to be joking about owls after Flacco's Flacco's un- untimely death. I'm sorry, mm. sorry, sorry. Uh, please do. Don't you think if you're an owl and you, f- if you're any bird and you yeah. fly into a building, you're not a very good bird? <laughs> Are you saying Flacco deserved to die because he was a shit? No, no, because I can understand in Flacco's case, like in New York, and he wasn't supposed to be free in New York. Yes. Although I'm sure on the days that he didn't fly into buildings, he did enjoy himself. No, for sure. But I just think that birds flying into buildings... I always think you've got to be going at quite a speed. A bit of natural selection. To terminally fly yourself into a building as well, Mm. though. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, like we, we I've never done wall, it, so... No, but you've probably, like, walked into a wall or something, you know? Mm. And you're, like, going, oh, that's annoying. Should have seen that wall. Yeah. Or, like, my friend Gareth, who... And this is testament, I think, to the state that I keep my house in. Uh, with quite some vigour, walked straight into the glass door, patio door of my uh, back back terrace. Right. Because um, he thought it was open, and it very much wasn't open. And mm. left a full facial imprint on the glass. Uh, and still didn't die, Pete, like the owl. Do you think Flacco was on his phone when he when he flew into the exactly, building? exactly? Just he was probably catching up on some some tweets, some tweets. Yeah, I know it doesn't work yeah. anymore because yeah. some X's. Oh, you've ruined everything, Elon Musk. Even yeah. owl-based jokes. Well, I think that's enough owl chat. Yeah, yes, enough owl chat. I've got some quick parish notices before we start on friends. Oh, Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to uh, shout out to. Uh, Fwoof listener Claire, who uh, came Claire. to my piano bar on Saturday night and uh, said hello and said she was a big fan of the podcast. Uh, and so I thought Did I'd say hello on the podcast. Did she request a song? A song? Oh, uh, at, the, at the bar. I thought you meant yeah. for here. Uh, no, she has previously requested an episode, Peter. Uh, I don't. She may have requested a song. I don't know. I don't keep tabs on that all night, frankly. Uh, I wasn't playing the piano at the time, so I wouldn't know for sure. Uh, and then secondly, uh, another listener of the podcast uh and also my good friend karen who uh, has just opened uh, a west end show peter 
Uh, and I went to see her in it last week, and it was excellent. So I'm giving an official Friends with Friends endorsement to, and I, I say it's an endorsement, it has already won the Olivier Award for Best Musical. So in, in many ways, <laughs> but that now is a, is a better your review endorsement. is the breakthrough it needs. Yeah. <laughs> but standing at the sky's edge uh, was a wonderful way to spend an evening. And I was very proud to watch my friend Karen on stage. Uh, and I know that she is a regular listener to the podcast. Albeit oh. sometimes a couple of weeks behind, so it'd be interesting to see when she hears this. Okay. Because um, I'm sure I'll get a text. Anyway, there you go. If you're looking for a show to see, would heartily endorse. It's the music of Richard Hawley, and it's an excellent story set in Sheffield. Um, and it's dead nice. A lot of things nice. are set in Sheffield, aren't they? Aren't they, though? They, a lot of stuff. Name five. Uh, everybody's Monty. talking about Jamie. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Yeah, a lot of musicals. Yeah, you're quite right. More musical. Like, it's got a high percentage of musicals. Yeah. Set there. Uh, um, I mean, I've named those two and now I'm struggling. Yeah, that's fine. That is more than I could name that's set in like Norwich, though, you know? Once you, yeah. once you pass Partridge, you, there's not much there, is there? No, that's true. Um, but there you go. Anyway, uh, I would say it's nothing like the Full Monty, but it is Stent Sheffield, so that's 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 all I can give you. Anyway, Parish Notice is ended. Shall we talk about Friends, Peter? Yeah, go on. Feels like the thing to do, doesn't it, in this sort of setting, and this setting being a Friends podcast. Uh, This week's episode request comes from Mary, who says, Hi, Dave and Pete. Uh, Firstly, of course I love the podcast. Well, that feels like a a sort of afterthought, doesn't it, Pete? Like you're just saying Uh, it because she Well, it's very much her first thought. Well, that's true, actually, yeah, a pre-thought. Uh, well, thank you anyway. We appreciate that. I listen while I get ready for work and in the car. One morning, my nine-year-old came in and said, Mom, what are you listening to? All I heard was the words ugly naked guy. Yep, that is fair. That is valid. Apologies to your nine-year-old, Mary, who, by virtue of how long these requests sometimes take to come through, has probably just celebrated their 15th birthday. Yeah, probably. Um, and that's very much on us. I'd like to request the one where Nana dies twice. Ross has some great physical comedy, plus some really good Jack Geller moments. Agreed. I love the scene where Judy and Judy Ant and Ross, <laughs> Judy Ant and Ross, are looking for something for Nana to wear. It reminds me of when my grandma died. My aunts literally had the same conversation of whatever we pick, she would have told us it's the wrong one. I also love that Joey was watching the game of the funeral. Years ago, my husband bought a radio to my friend's wedding to listen to a football game. Throughout the reception, guys were coming up to him asking the score, and he felt like a hero. Uh, Jack's outburst, also hilarious, where he yells, now I'm depressed. And lastly, one of my favourite scenes in All of Friends is the end where Ross is all drugged up and he tells Rachel, oh, you don't get it. Uh, Classic Ross. Thanks for taking my request. Mary in Ohio. Off of the US. Off Off of the US. Uh, further afield than we uh, than we had last week, which was very much England, I think. Uh, thanks, Mary, and thank you for your request. And honestly, I think I said this last week, can't believe we haven't done this episode yet. This is a a real classic, really, in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's very early on in Friends, yeah. isn't it? The only the yeah. eighth, episode eighth episode ever. Yeah. And I think, therefore, it it, like... Tone-wise, it's far more kind of sentimental than I think Friends is usually in the rest of the... Yeah, I think they're playing around with a lot of ideas still, aren't they, in this early? There's like a a few shots and a few tonal bits, like you say, and a few character developments that aren't quite there yet, and there's quite a lot of stuff that definitely changes as it goes on. Um, But it feels like they are, you're right, trying to hit. There's like two or three points where they put that like sentimental music in, isn't there? Yeah. And it's like, and we're having an emotional moment. 
Um, and sure, I mean, it is about their grandma dying, to be fair. But still, it's like a grandmother we've never met. And it's not like a big death of a character in a show, you know? No, it's it's difficult to feel too much loss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not for Ross and Monica, maybe, but for us, the. Oh, of the course. I wasn't saying listener. that they shouldn't grieve for their grandmother, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note of we've never met her and. It's the funeral of a character who's sort of related to two of the characters. We've got that classic Friends thing where, inexplicably, all six of them are invited to the funeral of a woman that I presume at least half of them have never met. Yeah. Um, but it is a good setting for a sitcom episode, Pisa, so we'll roll oh, with it. true. Here's your synopsis. Season one, episode eight, the one where Nana dies twice. Oh, you're nearly going to love this production code, Pete, and then you're going to hate it. You ready? Yeah. Four, five. It's gonna. You're gonna go on a journey here. Four, five, six, six, five, seven. Ah, the seven killed it. Really killed it, didn't it? Really killed it. Twenty-one point one million people watched this episode, Pete. So what? America alone. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Ross and Monica rush to the hospital when their parents. Uh, Tell them their elderly maternal grandmother has been taken ill. After she passes, they go in to say the goodbyes, but Ross and Monica are shocked when their dead grandmother momentarily revives before dying again. They attend Nana's funeral, where Monica subtly confronts her mother about constantly critical attitude. Ross falls into an open grave, hurts his back, becomes loopy. Ooh, you don't hear the word loopy often, do you? You don't, do you? On muscle relaxers. Uh, meanwhile, Joey, Jack, and the other men at the funeral end up listening to a Giants football game. Watching, I think, wasn't it? Watching, watching yeah, they've got portable telly. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, meanwhile, Chandler's a standard when a work friend tries to fix him up with a male colleague and wants to find out why most of his co-workers and other friends initially think he's gay when meeting. Where do you want to start, Pete? Gay or funeral? Uh, Classic combo. <laughs> Classic choice. Uh, I think we should start with gay. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> do you know what, though? Like, watching this, I was sort of sat waiting for the Chandler gay conversation to be problematic, but it yeah. it, it isn't really, so that's no. nice. The thing I don't really get about this storyline is I don't really get what the point is. Like, it's there's this speculation around, like, what makes some people assume that Chandler is gay. Hmm. But then it doesn't really like conclude with anything. Like it, it, he just ends up kind of embracing it a little bit. And there's a bit of a joke in the fact that he does actually have an idea of what kind of man he'd want to go for and that kind of thing. But it doesn't really come to a conclusion. It's just this some people think Chandler's gay, full stop. Yeah, which does become a bit of a runner. There are sort of a few callbacks to it throughout the series, aren't there, at various points. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. I mean, is the point of it maybe that they're trying to like slightly gently nudge people towards the idea it wouldn't be so bad if Chandler was gay because he sort of comes round to it and and starts discussing men who he thinks other people think are out of his league and he isn't out of his league. You know, don't forget this is like 1994. Do you think it was as simple as them going, let's show Chandler realising it wouldn't be terrible if people thought he was gay? I would even make the case that Friends therefore goes backwards in its representation right. of gay people because from this point on, right in later episodes, the gay characters are very stereotypically gay, right? 
um like extremely camp i'm thinking a lot of waiters and that sort of thing or yes or the the person that works for chandler's um family yeah um like when actually the first gay character that we see is the person that works with chandler lol and him and he isn't that like he isn't that kind of stereotype yeah he's presented in the same way as as a straight man might be in the sitcom at the time yeah you know know, he's just sort of like a guy that sort of deals with chandler's slightly overt homophobia by sort of going basically going we don't really want you anyway type thing yeah Yeah, yeah, um but he is like lol seems like the guy you'd actually want to be like hanging out with if you were Chandler. Like we don't know much about Brian. Is Brian loads hotter than Lowell, Pete? Um, not massively. I don't think. No, I know it's hard to tell without personality, really, isn't it? But to me, I'd I'd put Lowell over Brian, frankly, if we're ranking them. But that's probably not the point of the plotline, is it? Um, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, what I would say is Chandler is too offended, right? He is too offended by and, and too worried about it. But also Shelley probably should have maybe just asked before definitely going ahead and setting him up with, with a guy. Like, she was so certain he was gay, she didn't even bother to, to sort of double check, you know? Yeah, that's true. Also, did you notice that um, in the staff room... There is a sign yes. in the staff room <laughs> saying, please go to someone's retirement party because they have no friends. They have no friends. I know. It was sad, wasn't it? And it's still there when they come back to this same location a little bit later on in the episode. I can't remember the name of the person, and that's almost certainly going to turn up in the quiz if mm. we have a quiz, which I can't remember if we do. And don't spoil it we... for me. No spoilers. Oh, okay. No spoilers. We all know the jeopardy that we like in that bit of the quiz, that, that, that bit of the podcast. Um, but yeah, anyway, most of this plot is just Chandler sort of slightly wounded that people think he's gay, isn't it? Sort of moping around, the roping. Frankly, he should just be taking it as a compliment and moving on. Yeah, but yeah, this is what I mean. It just doesn't go anywhere from there. No, nothing happens. There's no conclusion it? to it. No, no. And the bit where... Like, again, he seems sort of almost wounded to the point where he doesn't argue back against it when Ross, off his tits, says, oh, you want to be gay? And Tanner's literally flirting with a woman who then yeah. goes, oh, he, he's gay. And he doesn't even go, oh, I'm not, by the way. That's just a thing. He just goes, well, I guess this is going to ruin the rest of my life. Bit odd, isn't it? Is this the first time TV introduced the idea of a gaydar to the mainstream population? <laughs> Uh, I like that he he calls it a radar though, doesn't he? Like we have a sort no, of radar I mean. like, things almost before they'd even sort of done the pun, you know, coined the phrase. Yeah, yeah, coined the phrase that he sort of goes. We have a sort of radar as if that's this completely alien concept. Um, I mean, he might just be implying that straight people don't know about it. Uh, but again, I would say that that is uh, you know something that everybody's very aware of now. Like, like the idea of a radar. Um, but um, it does feel like they they sort of uh, they're bringing it to TV for the first time, you know. Did you know, Dave, that prior to Grinder, there was like a website based version of it called Gaydar? Do you know what that rings a bell? Now that you say that, I think I did know that. Were you on Gaydar? I was. One, um, I think my, the first ever date I went on was with someone from Gaydar. I mean, ironically, Gaydar in that. 
iteration is the only place you don't need to have a good gaydar. <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can safely ter- assume. Yeah. That... What a terrible name for a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume it doesn't exist anymore because it's sort of been rendered pointless. Yes, well, exactly. Maybe they realise. Oh no, the name it does was... exist. It it's does. now a dating site. Again, I still think terrible brand name for for what is by default a gaydar itself before it even you know you 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 you've, yeah as we've as we've said. For me, chat guys. with and date like-minded guys now, right okay. now, right now. Well, that is what Grinder is really, isn't it? And and right now is even more now for Grinder. Mm. There you, well, go. there you go. Wrapping up the gay storyline, shall we? Uh, yes, yes. Do you think Chandler's got gay hair? Just to finish? No, I don't think he has actually. No, he just got nineties. Maybe he hair. did. Maybe he did in. The, yeah, he just has nineties hair, doesn't he? Yeah, is nineties hair gay hair, Pete? That's the big question. That's my big thought. Um, <laughs> I forget about my big thought every week. Uh, well, no, that's a good one. Is nineties hair just gay? <laughs> We'll be debating that on our spin-off episode, Friends, Fashion and Me. Gator with friends. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Judy's a right bitch in season one, isn't she? Uh, she is, yeah. She's just not very nice at all, is she? Like, I know they, they, she definitely softens as the show goes on. And she's always got those traits of being a bit of a critical mother. But in this episode particularly, she's fucking awful, isn't she? Um, and just... She isn't really very funny. Like, there's no, there's no humour to no, her. Either. She's just quite exactly. sort of harsh. And it's interesting because they nail Jack Geller first time out, first time out of the block. They is this the, is this the first Jack and Judy? Right, oh no, because no, yeah, the one with the sonogram at the end. They're in that one, aren't they? Episode two. But this is like the first sort of deep dive into them, isn't it? And I'd say Jack, that character barely changes for ten years. Like he's 
ridiculous and funny but caring and judy's they haven't nailed it here at all because i think they try and soften it at the end like you say they try and do that thing that poignancy thing again with judy where she talks about the earrings at the end and it's like oh she does have a soft side and i just think she hasn't she hasn't pulled it back far enough for me to like her at that point i'm just like she's still a absolute prick yeah and also there's that bit where monica sort of says if you had the opportunity would you tell your mum yeah and it like the fact that she says no is like yes. <laughs> it's very no i'm not going to address this daughter with yes. legitimate issue with my parenting i'm exactly. just going to shut it down yeah cuz she can't be that unself-aware surely do you think she's that unself-aware that she genuinely doesn't realize she's doing it maybe she is um she's either really really unself-aware or like you say not not doing her parental duties quite right is she so they get this sort of call a uh, little mention of paolo just randomly he's on the phone um but that's very much usurped by nana dying they get the call they, they go to hospital they're all having sort of chats about things like sweet and lows which frankly never knew what that was first watching the episode are they are they sweetness yeah yeah, yeah a little low calorie like- sweetness is I guess I guess low calorie sweeteners must have just been such a big thing in America before they were here. Well, she I has really so many, them. doesn't she? They tumble down over Ross. Yeah, like, I mean, what are you? They can't be that expensive just to buy, frankly, right? No. Guess how many sweet and low packets have been produced in the to to, to, to this date? Whatever. Yeah. Well, there's about a million in her cupboard. So. Exactly right. I'd say 1.2 billion. Pete, you're so out. Over 500 billion. What? Packets have been produced. Wow. Isn't that insane? I thought I was going to be way over there. No, no, that's why genuinely why I, uh, that's why I flagged it, because it just felt like a stat that was remarkable, frankly. By the way, and you know, in, um, in the request for this episode, there was a reference to aunt. Mm. Do we ever see this aunt again? Or uh, does she get a name? Or is she literally just aunt? I'm not sure if she gets a name. One second. Because we called? do meet a, a few members of the wider Gala family at times, but I don't think we see much more of her, do we? Her name on the official credits list is Aunt Lillian. Mm. Aunt Lillian appears in exactly one episode uh, and is never seen again yeah oh okay she's judy geller's sister well i I assume that much (laughs) um she's sort of a a slightly calming influence amidst the judy geller madness isn't she like i think i think she She's like the the aunt that seems to to get it a bit more with Ross and Monica, you know, when they're trying to pick the dress and Ross is like getting exasperated by Judy. She's like, oh, she's going to tell us it's the wrong one, whatever. Let's just crack on with it. So there's probably a, there's probably a space for Aunt Lillian in their in their lives, but clearly they did not trust the acting stylings of Eleanor Donahue. Oh yes, yes, Eleanor Donahue, who was in the film Pretty Woman, was she? What she an early nineties CV she has! Right, Sunset seventy seven Sunset Strip in nineteen sixty three. A lot of her um, credits are much earlier. Actually, she's best known for playing Betty Anderson in the nineteen fifties sitcom Father Knows Best. 
1950s sitcom. Yeah. Wow. Right. So there you go. That's uh, that's Aunt Lillian's CV for you. Um, the bit again talking of the strange, slightly strange sentimental bits. The bit where they first announced that Nana's died and they all four stand up together slowly is just really weird, isn't it? Well, I the the one thing, and who am I to question the fictionalized grieving process of the Geller family? Yeah. But I do find it odd that she's dying in a hospital room. Yeah. But all four of them are sat outside sat that outside. room with the door closed. <laughs> it's like, we won't be with it. Just just give us a shout when she's gone. It is something that I never really thought about at all when I first watched this. But why? Why wouldn't they just be around the well, bed? Well, the, the reason they're there is, is, is very much happening on the other side of a closed door. <laughs> with, let's be honest... A very questionably qualified medical team. Yeah, <laughs> can't tell when a human has died. So I, I'd be a bit worried all the way through this. Frankly, Ross and Monica should have known better because Nana is in fact breathing when they are talking to her, and she's supposed to be dead. Like I could see that she was breathing, and I know obviously the actor is still alive, so that's never a telltale sign. It might just be a blooper, but it's not a goof in this case. She is breathing, and she's still alive. Were you with her when she died? No, we were sat outside on a group of chairs. <laughs> the chairs in the waiting area were very comfortable, though. <laughs> yeah, very odd, isn't it? Very odd. Uh, I think one of the funniest lines of the whole episode is Jack Geller's, she may have died, we're looking into it. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> Which um, makes me laugh. He's like, his delivery of all his things, again, like I say, I think they nailed his character immediately. We have that whole scene where he's doing the buried at sea. That's just like a classic, great Jack Geller scene that could have been from any season of Friends. Um and and actually one of those things that stays with me. Buried at sea. I don't have very many reference points for buried at sea, Pete. So if I ever hear the phrase buried at sea, my immediate thought is buried at sea, huh? Like that's one of the things. If that you're just, buried at sea, yeah. Does that mean you just lolloped over the side of a well, boat? I was going to say, like you, I've heard of ashes being scattered at sea, but if you're right. buried at sea, is that just yeah tipped over the side? Uh. Or does buried at sea mean ashes? I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, it's regularly performed by navies. Quite morbid. This the ceremony uh, may include burial in a casket, burial sewn in sailcloth, burial in an urn, or scattering the cremated remains from a ship. So it, it's all encompassing, Pete. Right. Okay. All encompassing. Uh, you do need, however, a license from the marine management organisation to be buried in sea in English waters or offshore Northern Ireland. Right. So there you go. Uh, tell you what, though, something I didn't expect, co-op.co.uk has a option for bur- burial at sea. Well, they have uh, a-, a range of funeral options, don't they? They do. I just didn't know sea was one of them. Right. There you go. There are only three designated locations around the English coast where burials at sea can take place using the self-service license. They are, Pete. I know you're ready for it. In at three, New Haven in East Sussex. In at two, the Needle Spoil Ground near the Isle of Wight. And coming in at number one, Tynmouth in Tyne and Weir. Oh, there are also okay. two designated areas in Scotland, off John O'Groats and off Oban West Coast. Oh, off John O'Groats is very high up there, aren't you? Very high. You've got to travel a long way with your coffin there, haven't you? Yeah. I don't think I'd want to be buried at sea. Uh, better 
than being buried in the ground from a what if I'm not dead point of view, I'd guess. Yes, that's true. If you just lolloped over, you'd still you might just float and then you'd be like, Oh, I'm still in the sea. But that might be bad. Yeah, if but you'd right, also if... be off the coast of John O'Groats, so <laughs> It's a long way back, isn't it? it and is. as this article has said, you'd probably be in a coffin, so actually that'd be terrifying. Good. Well, that's a uh, terrifying thought. But it does bring us back to friends, moment. because the idea that you might not be quite dead... is. Uh, my question is, to the doctors listening, is there a genuine medical scenario where it might appear to highly qualified medical professionals that someone is definitely dead? Dead enough to tell their closest family, they've def- albeit family that didn't want to be in the room at their last moments, uh, that they've definitely died... Or is this just like a silly sitcom scenario? Like, well, the thing I don't get is that she's wearing, she has a heart monitor, right? Because when she actually yeah. dies, it goes, Mee. it goes beep, beep, beep again. Yeah, exactly. So, what was it doing to make yeah. the nurse think that she died the first time? Exactly. What possibly could have made those people? And, and surely you need like a second opinion for the old death. It can't just be one <laughs> medical person going, yeah, probably dead. I'll just go and tell the family. Like, I feel like they have to call it. Like, isn't that a thing? You, have, you declare it, it has to you? be Yeah, and, but it has to be I like... I declare regular. death! <laughs> <laughs> Is that Michael Scott declaring death? It, it, yeah, it was a little yeah. bit. Yeah, good, enjoyed that. Um, this brings me on to the second thing that I thought about as quite a weird scenario, and definitely one that a lot of people have had to do, but just dressing a dead person's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is, picking an outfit. Picking an outfit and dressing them, like... If you think about what you really have to do to dress somebody completely without any autonomy. Sure, though, like, at the risk of this, I mean, it's hard for this episode of Friends of Friends not to be a bit morbid, given the yeah. uh, subject matter. But I think it, the, the one thing it does do is illustrate how when you go through that process of like, if you're unfortunate enough to lose someone, then suddenly things become so like procedural and you have these yes. quite mundane tasks like yes. clearing through their stuff, like yeah. picking out clothes. And you almost don't get time to like think about the person like until much further down the line because you've just got all this stuff to do. And that's very much what this episode is. It's all the stuff that they have to get through in the immediate aftermath. And yeah, it's I just think so much admin, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite reflective of real life in that respect. No, I, I do agree. It's a, it is a nice portrayal of it, and you do get the the impression that it's sort of exactly how everyone in that scenario would deal with the death from Phoebe accidentally going, what a great day, because she's sort of not that close to the woman, but she's just enjoying walking outside in the sun and then having to sort of go weather-wise. And then Joey, you know, and Jack Geller, frankly, the father-in-law type of scenario, watching uh, the big game, sorry, watching the game rather than, you know, particularly worrying about someone who clearly he wasn't that close to um uh i took a i guess this isn't really a a problem anymore with mobile phones isn't it but i i do recall watching a football match at a wedding once do you Um, yeah but like again sort of just under the table a bit accident every now and then you know checking in i wasn't sort of stood in the corner for the whole game you know uh do you remember what game was no, I don't actually. No. Actually, I remember on the day of my uh, granddad's funeral, England oh. playing Wales in the Euros in probably when was that? Here you go. Yeah, twenty sixteen. I wasn't watching it at the funeral, but I remember no, it you weren't. No, I do remember oh, checking my phone at the wake to see what the score was, <laughs> but I think that's allowed. 
I was once at the wedding of a Sky Sports uh, football reporter who was getting married on the day of a big sports game. I think it might have been the Six Nations or something. And there was like a dedicated TV set up downstairs. Yeah, I think you've got to embrace it if that sort of thing happens. Just to go and watch the rugby. I think it was, I think it might have been the Six Nations. I can't remember. But yeah, you have to just go for it, don't you? Um, although it is one of the only times we really see how much all those characters care about football. True. It's not like they're constantly checking scores all the time, you know? Um, you'd have think someone would have warned Ross about the massive hole in the ground, wouldn't you? Uh, yes, it, it it looks like an insurance claim waiting to happen. Feels um, like something you should be aware of in a cemetery. Although you don't see as many open graves as I think TV and <laughs> movies would like you to believe, you know? Remember open graves? Whatever happened to them? <laughs> you just put one foot in them, don't you? Yes, you do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, quite far down, as would be the case. But uh, quite I, far down. Yeah. Six yeah. feet under, famously. Fam- famously, famously. Um, but I feel like Ross would be more injured than he is, frankly, having well, fallen that far. break an ankle, at least. Well, actually, back. you say that, he does require quite heavy painkillers because he ends up absolutely off his tits. Yeah, I mean, it does the, yeah, the, the amount of painkillers, the level of painkillers he seems to have taken does not seem to equate with how okay he is when he's just lying on the floor with a bit of spasm in his muscle. Um, yeah. And also lol that the only medical opinion on site is Phoebe's. Yeah, who I think would take a very sort of... Um, Holistic approach. Yes. That. <laughs> uh, she seems to be doing the proper work of a paramedic. And it's worth pointing out at this point, Pete, that Phoebe has not been revealed as a masseuse in Friends. So it's just, yep, true. from the point of view of the first time watching audience, a woman giving a medical opinion. If it's that bad, you'd get a proper... You'd get a proper medical professional in. Although, having said that, the medical professionals in this episode have not done themselves proud so far. True. So, if you don't tell the person's dead, how are you going to tell whether Ross's muscle's in spasm or not? Anyway, like you say, Ross gets off his tits on painkillers, goes around causing havoc, and then uh, there's that scene that that Mary refers to where he... um, sort of goes i love you uh, well, do you know who i love the most you he goes i don't get it uh, and then probably falls asleep all over for what seems like a number of hours i just uh, whatever painkillers he's taking should not have been made so freely available to him yeah he is yeah, i know judy's being liberal there it. Yeah, I've never been that. I've never had painkillers that strong that that would affect you that much. I don't think. You know, like those, um, like TikToks of when people get given painkillers after dental surgery, and they yeah, like, yeah, they go a bit mad. I love that. Yes, I love that shit. Um, yeah, it's good. That is good viewing, isn't it? It's always funny to watch someone on painkillers, and Ross proves that. Unless they're the in case. pain. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, hopefully they're still not in pain after taking their painkillers, Pete. That's the whole point of them, isn't it? True. Hey, Pete, do we have a quiz? Well, Dave, I I think we've ended up with multiple... I think we've ended up with quiz eye. Oh, really? Yeah, because... Talk me through the process. Should we just do the quizzes as and when I find them? (laughs) Sure. How many are there? So Mary's definitely sent one. Okay, great. That's that's the main... That's the main... uh... Which I have. So here we go. Are you ready okay. for uh, Mary's quiz? What is no, the name? Did send a quiz this week? No. Right. You just didn't find it till this week. Correct. 
Fine. Is that true? Yes. You sent me a true. message earlier in the week, sort of going, "Oh, we do have a quiz now." Yeah, and or then did, didn't I say stunt? Yeah, I I stood you down, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fine. And frankly, I hadn't done anything about it by that time. Well, so no, I assumed. That was excellent. I assumed. That would be the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it says. The one where Nana dies twice, quiz, and then under it says, by Mary from the US state of Ohio. Absolutely love that. Big fan. And then it says the date the quiz, quiz was created. And then it says oh, yeah, the date the that? quiz was created as well. Uh, created April 1st, 2023. Or was it? It was. Oh, It's good, an April good. 1st joke. Uh, question one. What is the name of Chandler's co-worker who thinks he's gay? Shelley. Correct. Question two. What event is posted on the dry erase board behind said co-worker? Oh, someone's retirement. Is it Frank's? It's Chuck, isn't it? Chuck, yeah, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, retirement party for Chuck Fowler. Chuck Fowler. Brother of Robbie. Please Kirby has no friends. Uh, bonus question. What is the date of the event? No, oh, 22nd of November. Uh, yes. Uh, bonus question two. <laughs> How did you not... I want a better, better reaction for remembering that. Well, and also... But hang on, complete the set. Bonus question two, what does the rest of the message say under the date? Uh, 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 please come, he has no friends. Correct. Impressive. It's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, question um, three, uh, what did Chuck... Uh, you what? still haven't been amazed that I remember the date exactly, and I couldn't remember Chuck's name. What, what do you want me to do? Just be ama- ask me how I remembered the date so well. How did you remember the date? Because uh, it's the day, <laughs> it's the day that JFK gets assassinated. I don't remember in case looking. There wasn't at it. enough death. Uh... <laughs> God, this episode's full of death. Question three. Uh, yeah. Uh, what did Chandler spend Phoebe's birthday party doing? Uh, looking at her, looking at Rachel's boobs. It's correct. Yeah. Uh, question four. Ross finds his what in Nana's closet? A uh, retainer. Correct. And in what year was the photo at Java Joe's taken? Oh, me and the gang at Java Joe's, 1952. No, even earlier. It's 39. Yeah, I literally couldn't think. Lydia has sent a... Has sent a quiz. When? Uh, Oh, but I don't have access to this file. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lydia sent... Lydia sent a quiz. Wait, when was the 90... Oh, it was, it was a week ago. So uh, I think see. it was for last week. Oh, was it? So Lydia, thanks for the bonus quiz <laughs> that you sent for last week's episode, but I've just realised that I can't open it. Can you request access to it now, and then we'll do it on next week's episode so it's even more out of date okay. as a bonus segment? Uh... Your request for Well, that's something to look forward to, Pete. But if people aren't immediately drawn back in by the the idea of a quiz from two weeks ago, what episode is next week? Next week. And we do have a quiz. Good. Uh, It's season three, episode four. The one with the metaphorical tunnel. Oh, lovely. Lovely. By By the by. All the by. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.